Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. morning. All right, here's a question for you. And if you want to uh, answer me on the text line, I would be thrilled by that. So you just text your answer to this question to 877-933-2484. Here's the question. What kind of clubs are you a part of? What what clubs are you in or club? Maybe it's just one club. Maybe, uh, maybe you're in a knitting club, sewing circle. Uh, maybe you are, um, maybe you're in a country club. Maybe you are in some kind of game club or hunting club. I don't know. What kind of club are you in? Uh, Maybe you, yeah, I don't know. So I want to know. So what kind of clubs are you in? Uh, And you can text me the answer to 877-933-2484. Big confession. I am. I'm I'm not really in any I don't think I'm in any clubs right now. Like, I don't think I'm currently participating in any kind of club. Um. I'm not even a member of Sam's Club anymore because they closed the Sam's Club nearest to me and it was too far to drive to the other Sam's Club. So I'm not, even, I'm not even that kind of club. I don't know. Is Costco a club? If it is, then I am in that club. Okay, so uh, clubs. What kind of club are you a part of? 877-933-2484. Maybe it is a Bible study club. Here's why I'm asking the question. After school clubs are offered in and through your local high school, middle school, uh, elementary school, Uh, they're also offered, after-school clubs are also offered by lots of churches. And so I want you to think for a moment about the clubs that are offered in your community. So beyond the clubs that you're involved in, I want you to think for just a moment about the clubs that are offered in your community. Why bring this up? Well, because uh, in Carmel, Indiana, which, by the way, is a very nice, very nice community, in Carmel, Indiana, um, there's a big kerfluffle afoot. Because one of the options on the official after-school involvement clubs list is, well, the Satanic Club. And people are upset by that. People are upset that there is an official Satanic Club uh, as a part of the after-school offerings at the Carmel Public High School. So let me just pause there and say, you know, well, how do you feel about that? How do you feel I'm gonna, yes, I'm using the feelings word. Feelings. How do you feel about a satanic club being offered as an after-school option at a public high school? Now, before you um, start raging, <clears throat> let me ask you, how do you feel about an after-school Bible club? How do you feel about a public high school offering the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, an opportunity to have a club or Young Life or Child Evangelism Fellowship and the Good News Club. How do you feel about those clubs being offered on public school campuses? How would you feel? I mean, we, you know, how do you feel about a Bible club? That leads us to a question like, how do you feel about an after-school Torah club or Quran club? 
And and when you answer the question about how you feel about FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, how would you feel if there was a fellowship of Muslim athletes? How would you feel, uh, having asked the question about Child Evangelism Fellowship and the Good News Club, how would you feel about an evangelism program targeting elementary or high school students, expressly seeking to introduce them and invite them to follow the teachings of Mohammed or Mormonism or Scientology or, yes, in this case, Satan? Surely you see the challenge, right? I mean, as Christians... We have used and applied and demanded that the free exercise clause of the Constitution guarantee our ability to meet on public school campuses, share the Bible, share Jesus. I mean, like, right, we've we have fought for that in court and we have established that, yes, Christians have a right to um, offer particularly student sponsored clubs but other clubs as well. And so this is the challenge. The door that we have held open in America for one religion, namely Christianity, is now a door being held open for any and all. And that's the way it works in a pluralistic society. The government literally cannot privilege one religion over another. And so that's one part of this conversation. The other part of this conversation goes something like this. People who, like, are all a Twitter, that Satan is now in the Carmel High School because there is a satanic uh, club, Um, they got worried way too late. They got worried way too late. Now, uh, I am concerned, as you are, that having a satanic club suggests that a satanic, that, that that's a good thing and therefore people should go. If we're worried it might attract young people, then I think we got to start shining the light of God's love in, in the irresistible person of Jesus and trust that Jesus beats Satan every time. J- Jesus and Satan, by the way, have already had a big showdown, and Jesus wins. So I'm going to encourage you to obsess less about maybe what's happening in Carmel, Indiana, and their after-school programming, and instead... Find out today what after-school programs are available in your community. Start resourcing the ones, supplying resources to the ones that uphold your worldview. Those programs, those after-school programs through which the person of Jesus is amplified. Maybe they're on the campus of your school. Maybe they're on a church campus near a school. Like, those are the things we need to be investing in as Christians. I mean, Satan is always prowling around looking for a way in. And he didn't just get into the high school in Carmel, Indiana, through the after-school program this year. Like, right, in the same way that restricting public public prayer in school doesn't actually keep God out, allowing a satanic club doesn't actually let Satan in. We live in a world where the spiritual forces are real and in open opposition to one another all the time in every space— So our role is to identify with and amplify the spiritual force of God and his goodness right where we are right now in real time. All right. Give me your feedback. What clubs are you in and anything else you got for me today at 877-933-2484. If that made you angry. All right. The next conversation is for you. Dr. Linda Mental joins us. We are going to talk about anger. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. This is my fight song. Take back 
Dr. Linda Mental is joining us again today. Linda, welcome back. Hey, I'm here, finally. <laughs> it took me a few minutes. <laughs> so, um, anger. We want to talk about anger. We had a conversation mm-hmm. um, about anger in the workplace last week, and lots of people then texted in and said, I need this kind of help at home. Can you just talk with us about living with an angry person at home? Yeah, that's really um, not a pleasant experience, obviously. And um, it's very challenging because anger is contagious. So the more you focus on it, the more you think about it, it revs you up and the anger, angrier you get. So I think one of the issues, Carmen, when we're talking about people who hold on to anger and are just angry about a lot of things in their life is that they develop a, a victim mentality. And that has to do with reacting to a lot of unfairness around them. So this whole, you know, shoulds, oughts, must be's, people should treat me differently. And then they easily get offended, and then they're, they're feeling like they're constantly being attacked. And they're driven in their reactions, and that's why they're angry reactions, by the way people are acting. So they're not focusing on, well, how do I respond to this unfairness or this injustice or this treatment that I'm perceiving, which may not always be accurate, but it may be the, it's obviously the way the person feels. Um, how do I react to that? Instead, it's always focusing on the other people And then that continues to rev up that offense. And the problem with that type of response is that it acts a little bit like you're taking an um, amphetamine or you're getting a shot of adrenaline. So every time you get angry like that, your adrenaline um, shoots up and it makes you feel a little bit more powerful and not so much like a victim. Um, And then, you know, you feel like you've got a little bit of power there. But the problem is it affects everybody around you and you're constantly blaming other people for all the issues that you're experiencing. Okay, I want to talk about that contagious reality when you say it affects everyone around us, because I think that's what listeners were pointing to um, when they texted in. Like, you know, right, if they're talking about an angry spouse, what they're ultimately talking about is how it's affecting them. It's making it's making mm-hmm. their home a toxic environment. Um, Dr. Mm-hmm. Linda Mental has a book on this. It's called We Need to Talk, um, and you can find it at drlindamental.com. She and I will be right back. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Linda Mental, you can find her and and actually lots of resources on this topic and so many more at drlindamental.com. Linda, um, let's continue our conversation about anger. It is contagious. Um, I know, I know that when I am made irrationally angry, sometimes rationally angry, but often irrationally angry, I actually know that it immediately affects everyone in the environment around me like i i know that that particular emotion is very contagious yeah and if it if it isn't contained and regulated um that's one of the reasons why scripture tells us to be angry but don't sin so you you want to be very careful that you're not just venting anger and you're not screaming at people and you're not using that anger in a in a destructive way because what happens is people around you begin to feel less safe. Um, They don't trust you as much because they figure you can't regulate your emotions. And so maybe you're not a a person that they can trust. 
sometimes they're worried that they're going to get hurt in all of that anger and they're hearing things and people say things when they're angry. When you get really intensely angry, your we've talked about this before, Carmen, the thinking part of your brain goes a little bit offline and that feeling part of the brain takes over. It's what we call a, a hijack. And so you're not thinking, you're just reacting. And when we react, we say things we don't normally say. We sometimes say hurtful things. Um, and it really can be damaging to the people around you, which is why you have to learn how to regulate your anger and, and calm yourself down. Now, you mentioned the book, We Need to Talk, but I did write this little little booklet that is actually one of my bestsellers called Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness. And so a lot of times that anger that continues to be pumped out into the family or into the people around you, maybe at a workplace, is because people are holding on to a lot of unforgiveness. Um, you know, they don't feel like they're being validated. They don't feel like they're being heard. And they continue to look for that. And I think sometimes if we think about how did we see anger expressed when we were growing up, you know, how did we see people deal with their anger and what function is anger having in my life? Is it pushing people away or is it bringing people closer to me? And usually it has the effect of pushing people away and distancing people. People just throw up their hands and they don't want to be around somebody who's chronically angry. So let's give um, a little help today um, to Jason, who texted in about the situation, you know, with with his wife. And he just, you know, he Mm -hmm. says anger has been a way of life for my wife Mm -hmm. because of politics. So, you know, there's clearly um, a challenge here. Um, Can you just just talk to Jason for a minute? Yeah, and so one of the, you know, one of the issues probably is that the wife really wants to feel like she's been understood and validated. And so even though there's been such history with this, if you can sit down calmly when the person is not angry, and that's always really important, not try to talk to somebody when they're very angry, but really stay calm, listen to them, validate their feelings, and then talk to them about what is this anger doing to you? I'm very concerned about what I see for you. You're in a constantly irritable state. You're always upset. You're focusing on what people don't do right or they don't agree with you or they don't see the world the way you do. And I'm not sure where that's going to take you. And certainly, I wonder what that's doing to our relationship. And so bringing it back to the relationship and say, how is this anger that you have about all these politics and the way you're being treated at work you're bringing that home into our relationship. What is that doing? And what part of that can you actually control? So I've said this over and over when I, when I talk to people, you know, you don't have any control over what other people do. And we live in a very contentious time where people are very angry. They're upset. They're disrespectful. They can't have a conversation, but you can control your reaction to that, which is to stay calm and to stop reacting to what should be. I mean, this is the issue with someone who stays kind of chronically angry. They are constantly feeling like the victim. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, they don't, they don't, they don't. Okay, they don't. That's true. They don't. I understand that. It must be very frustrating living with that. But what is that? What can you do about that? And sometimes people can do some, you know, justice movement. They can go in and try to shift a system or make some kind of change. But most of the time, and if you're a follower of Christ, you have to let go of offense. 
And this is where I think patience, compassion, which, you know, patience and self-control, these are fruit of the, these are the fruit of the spirit, right? So having that love in your heart and saying, you know, I don't like it. It doesn't feel fair. I don't, you know, I don't really think that the way they're handling things are right, but I have to respond in the way that I think would honor Christ. And if you can get to that conversation and start thinking about how am I reacting to all of this rather than what is so unfair, because that's the part you can't control. Can we, um, can we talk about the role of maybe bringing in a third person into the conversation? Because I guess I find myself wondering, you know, depending on how long this has been going on, depending on how mm-hmm. deep the ruts are in this relationship, um, Jason might need, you know, some outside help. So mm-hmm. may, maybe we take a very brief break. And when we come back, you, you can help introduce us to like really positive, like, I don't know, couples therapy. Does that sound like a mm-hmm. good place to go? Mm-hmm. It would. Right. Yes, it would right. be. So Dr. Linda Mental and I are going to continue this conversation. One resource that she um, that she's got out there that I just Googled. And so you can, too. Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness by Dr. Linda Mental. Um, great resource on the topic we are talking about today. Anger. It's in our hearts. It's in our homes. What do we do with it? How do we regulate it? How do we how do we deal with it? So um, we've got. Uh, did I miss a break, Ryan? Let me just pause and have a production conversation. Did I miss a break or am I going to this one too soon? Yeah, so this is this is our longer break coming up here, actually. So. Can I do it now or do I have to wait another minute? You can do it now if you want. All right, so that's what we're going to do. So we're going to take a little brief break. It's, it is break point. Um, so let's not forget about that either. Um, and if you know you got you haven't gotten a welcome packet yet, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard us um, talk on Faith Radio. We'd love to welcome you to the ministry, and you can check that out at myfaithradio.com. We'll be right back. All right, we're going to take a minute to wrap up our conversation with Dr. Linda Mental because I ran over um, the the opening of our time together. So, Linda, just make the um, make the case for including a third person in our conversations when we're having struggles with one another as Christians, particularly in our marriages. Well, it's always good to have a mediator, depending on if it's in a church or another setting. But if it's in your your intimate relationship, then. As you mentioned, Carmen, couples therapy would be a good idea. You know, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've done a lot of couples work with someone who's very angry in a relationship. And typically what you do is you can find out that there's a lot of hurt and wounding and maybe even trauma in the person's background, and it's being triggered on a regular basis by the person that they're living with or other family members. So it's real important to get in there, look at those triggers, try to figure out what's going on, and then actually working through a process of forgiveness where you take one-to-one. I had a, a woman one time who had 25 pages. I asked her to write down all the offenses that she was holding on to, and she had 25 pages of offenses when she came back into me. And my assignment to her was, I want you to pray over each one, release each one to the Lord, and exercise forgiveness to that person. And it was amazing how it changed her, what it did to her. So a lot of times that offense that's been lingering needs to be dealt with and forgiveness needs to be given to the person. All right. You guys can find all kinds of resources related to this. 
um, at Linda, drlindamental.com if you want to look for something specific. Ten ways um, to make couples therapy work is really good on the particular topic of finding a third-party um, mediator to help walk with you um, through these challenges. Linda, as always, thank you so much. What a blessing. All right. Take care. Have a great week. You too. We'll be right back. All right. Do you have an advent calendar? Advent starts in 20 days. Um, So I got to tell you, I find um, the advent calendar, the mm -hmm, proliferation. Can I say that word this early in the morning? The proliferation of advent calendars, like I find it, it's disturbing. If you Google advent calendars right now, the first one that's going to pop up is the new alcohol advent calendar. Um, Actually, there are... Uh, a number of what they're calling luxury offerings in the advent calendar market. Uh, Lego has one. Uh, Food and wine has one. There's a cheese advent calendar. Um, There's a flower, like literally like flowers advent calendar. Uh, Teas and coffees, pets. Everybody's got an advent calendar. So what is advent? What is an advent calendar? Um, and how is a what is a faithful way to wander around in Advent together? We're going to talk about the adventure of Christmas. We're going to talk about the adventure of Christmas devotional, family devotional, and yes, the Advent calendar. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Lacato. Are you like Esther, facing an impossible challenge? Then imitate the Queen. Esther could have remained hidden. She could have done nothing. Or she could have rushed into the presence of King Xerxes. But instead, she chose prayer. And you? This is the time for a no-nonsense, honest face on the floor. Talk with the Lord of all. Garments need not be ripped, but veneer must be removed. Fasting is optional, but the prayer of genuine humility is not. What challenge are you facing? Is your job in jeopardy? Is your loved one in hospice? Is your faith in tatters? Retreat into your prayer closet. The queen could enter the room of Xerxes because she had spent time in the throne room of God. The same is true in your story and mine. Once we've spoken to the king of heaven, we're ready to face any king on earth. This is Max Lucado. Advent, what is it? It is upon us. What are we going to do as parents in the midst of it? Ed Drew is here. He's the director of Faith in Kids. They resource children's ministries in the local church. Um, And he is joining us today to talk about the adventure of Christmas. Ed, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, it's great to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. So um, Christmas is a great adventure. Talk uh, Talk about the adventure of Christmas like it, the reality of it, and then also talk about this particular resource. Uh, I look. I I think most of us come to Christmas, particularly if we're parents, with um, a slight sense of foreboding uh, that it's it's just a great deal of faff and it's a great deal of spending money. And if you're a Christian parent, I think there is um, a sort of ache that that a repeated cycle of we're going to be a bit disappointed with where we have taken our family in the run up to Christmas. So. The adventure of Christmas 
is a book of short family Bible times to squeeze into busy lives in the run up to Christmas to try to say that that work done each day will prepare us for a better Christmas. And the work has been done for us in the, that first Christmas was a brilliant adventure. It, it was an unimaginable time with, for instance, Elizabeth and Zachariah, who were the loveliest of older folk. You want them in your church. The shepherds, who I really do think are some of the funniest characters in the Bible, who, who you know, confused on the side of a field, go running after the baby, and then the wise men, and then Mary and Joseph themselves. These are amazing characters, and, and we get to walk with them through their baffling adventure. And I, I think you and I, I think all Christian parents want their children to see that adventure this Christmas. Absolutely. So I want to talk about, like, how do we do that? How do we how do we sort of get Jesus back into Christmas again and get the Christmas story back into the rhythm of, of these particular holidays? But I want to start with, wow, it feels like maybe um, daily devotions during the season of Advent is just one more <laughs> burden, right? One, oh my goodness, now I have to do that in addition to everything else I'm doing. Um, liberate us from that mindset. Oh, I mean, um, I'm telling most people, why don't you start in mid-November? In that uh, I don't think I've come across the family. Uh, I, I know they exist, but I don't often come across the family who think they can do 25 consecutive family Bible times with their family. In that um, it, it, life, look, life is complicated. And even when Christ is at the very heart of what we do, Life gets away with us and we get to go to bed saying, I tried to live for you, Lord, and I'll try again tomorrow. So we can go easy on ourselves and say we give each day to the Lord. We do our best. Some days go better than others. So as a family, let's our children see that we are doing our best to get the Bible open, to prioritize Christ. And our children, they learn from what we do. They learn from what they say. Uh, sorry, from what we say, they, they see it all. They see that rounded picture. So make a start either on the beginning of December or afterwards. Have, do your best and share with your children that it's difficult and ask for their help in it. Okay, I love that. All right, so we're talking with Ed Drew. He is, among other things, the author of The Adventure of Christmas. And yes, we have copies of the book and the calendar to give away. So you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. You can also check it out at thegoodbook.com. Um, Ed, you just gave us permission to start Advent early. That that <laughs> seems that seems crazy and really, really wise. Um, talk about Advent. Like, what, what are we doing? Why are we investing ourselves in this way in the lead up to Christmas? The, the sort of history of Advent is a very rich one. And uh, I'm going to leave it for others to tell us historically what, what we mean by it, and even theologically. I think what it's come to mean now is particularly for children, that counting down of the days to Christmas uh, and I know in America you complicate things by having Thanksgiving as well. But uh, in the UK and around the world, Christmas is, you know, the big thing. Uh, for the UK, it, our shops, uh, our business is dependent on Christmas. So uh, it is for most families in, 
uh, in the UK and in America, I think, an advent calendar is going to feature in their home. You've said that there are some funny ones. I shocked a friend at the weekend by saying most English soccer teams have an advent calendar. So you can, <laughs> can count down with the star players. You know, they're in every supermarket. So I think everyone is counting down to Christmas because it's such a big day. I think to be a Christian family is to count down to Christmas because you're saying we're counting down to God with us. We're counting down to the birth of an actual baby. Uh, and we're counting down to our salvation. So I think for a Christian family, perhaps if you're not in the habit of opening the Bible with your children, perhaps if you're waiting for that day when they'll say, you know, can we start opening the Bible now? We're ready. And just so you know, that day never comes. If you're waiting, if you're not sure, if you lack confidence, if you think everyone else is doing it, but you're not, and that feels awful, I think probably Advent is your chance to give it a go for the first time or to give it a go again. It's a limited season. In other words, you're not committing to doing it for the next 10 years. You're saying, let's do this for 25 days. And even if it takes us 35 days, that must be a win. Yeah, I, I love that. All right. So one of the things that I love about this particular Advent resource, and again, it's called The Adventure of Christmas. Um, I, I love that there's four questions differentiated by age every single day. And so if you're listening right now and you're like, well, I have high school students, so you know, I don't really need a resource that's designed for itty bitty kids. Or you say, I have itty bitty kids. I, don't, I can't really have uh, a resource that's designed for elementary age students. Um, this is actually designed for everybody, uh, adults included. And so the questions are differentiated by age. And so you can use the questions to build on each other to develop the big idea that's presented each each and every day um, in this Advent devotional. So uh, Ed Drew is the author. He and I will be right back. If you're interested in entering the drawing for the copies of The Adventure of Christmas that we have to give away today, text the word book to 877-933-2484. conversation with Ed Drew. He's the director of Faith in Kids. They are the resourcing children's ministries in the local church. Um, the book we're talking about today and the calendar, The Adventure of Christmas. We are journeying with uh, with Ed toward Christmas today. Um, and we're journeying with you as well. So if you want to enter the drawing for the copies of The Adventure of Christmas that we have to give away, just text the word book to 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four. We're talking about a ten minute family devotion um, for Advent. Uh, it's got these graphic novel style illustrations in it, uh, appropriate for families with kids of all ages. Um, really, a great resource to help parents engage their kids in a family Bible time um, during this this time of year when I think it's easier to return our focus to uh, to God and the things of God than maybe at other points in time during the year. So, Ed, um, maybe um, we broaden this conversation for just a moment, if we can. I am aware of a lot of churches that as they sort of get back from, return from COVID weirdness, 
I'll just describe it that way. Like, right, we're, we're, we are arriving at the point where we're getting back together in church like we think we're going to maybe move forward. And so we are having new and fresh conversations about how we're doing an educational hour. Um, over here, we call it Sunday school. Um, how we're doing after school programming, how we're doing midweek programming. I guess, you know, on the children's ministry education front. So this is a bigger conversation. You know, and we talk about resourcing children's ministries. What are some of the things you guys are thinking about? I'm it's nervous. I'm I'm speaking to you from London in the UK today. So I'm always nervous to assume everything we've learned in the UK is the same in America, but um I think a big lesson we've learned is that as we have sort of had to separate church from family we haven't been able to meet in person for much of the last 18 months or so I think it has been a common experience that parents have been talking more to their children about Christ if they're trying to say do church in their living room mm-hmm. so if you're sort of watch church in your living room or join in in some way you are more able to have, you know, have the conversation. You know, when the church says we're going to pray now, you get to say to your children, moment of quiet, hands together, eyes closed, let's do it together. When the when someone is preaching, if your children are in, maybe you've got teenagers, you say, look, listen to this bit. This, this is the heart of it. This is. Did you hear that illustration? Just press pause a minute. So I, I think families probably have stepped in more parents have stepped in more than they're used to into what it means to be talking of Christ in the home. Uh, and I, I think I, most parents have found that hard. Yeah, sorry, Carmen. No, I was going to absolutely concur with that. And I think that they've we have both found it hard and exhilarating. Um, it's yeah. kind of exciting to imagine that the crucible of faith is going to be returned to the home um, yeah. and, that, and that parents are going to begin opening the Bible with you know, with their children, regardless of their age, and keep opening it, um, regardless of their uh, attitudes that they might bring to the experience. Um, and so I absolutely concur. Um, and, and yet parents are going to need to be equipped to do that. And so, yeah. um, you yeah. know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about equipping. I, I Let me just throw one question out there. I, I know this is completely off the topic of what we agreed to talk about today. I hope that's okay. Um, <laughs> that's fine. So I have some friends, they're in a really small church, and as they talk about um, what they feel like their families really need, they're looking for a Sunday school-style curriculum that features apologetics. And I guess I'm wondering, are you hearing more and more parents looking for that kind of equipping? Like, we don't just need um, resources on what, you know, what are the Bible stories? We need resources on how do I help a third grader, a second grader, a fifth grader walk their faith out into a world where doing that has become a hostile conversation. Yeah, that is exactly what we're hearing a lot more of. And that's mainly because not many children come home and say to their mom, uh, can you tell me the parable of the, uh, the sower? (laughs) But they do come home saying, can you explain why my friend who used to sit next to me in church doesn't want to go to church anymore? But the answer is still the parable of the sower. Uh, And that's what we try and pray through with our children. So I think as our cultures, both yours and mine, become more hostile to the gospel, parents are seeing that, that I think it's always been difficult to be a parent. No parent ever has their first child and thinks I'm totally equipped for this. 
But I think we are answering more of those questions. We're working at the moment on a resource for next year on identity, because I think we're understanding from a well-being point of view, but also from a sort of cultural hostility point of view, the Bible gives us, explains to us who we are. It, the Christian story is not just one of habits and rituals and religion, it's one of identity. It's, it shapes how we feel, it shapes our well-being, it shapes our value, and it, it shapes how we relate to others. So I, I think we're trying to put together resources for parents, we're working on that. And in this book, The Adventure of Christmas, we're trying to give, we've got a bit called um, If You've Got Time to Chat Later, which is these topics we're looking at today are also what you need to discuss the tears on the way home from school, the confusion with the conversation you've had. That is always the story of parenting, is applying the gospel to these situations of life. So our children grow up realising the Bible is for life. Christ, faith in him, is for every moment of life, not just an hour on a Sunday. Yeah, I like how each um, day on the calendar has like a visual association Um and I think that particularly for younger kids, that's just really super helpful. Um, I appreciate the think and pray part of each day. I appreciate that, you know, you've designed this in a way that helps me ask questions of younger children, like, right? So the, the way that the questions are broken down, for those of you listening, there's a question that's framed for three and four-year-olds. There's a question that's framed for five to seven-year-olds. There's a question that's framed for everybody like over seven. And then there's a, fr a question that's framed specifically for teenagers. And I just, I really, really appreciate that because most of us have kids of various ages and stages. And that also makes this a resource that we could use year over year or year after year like we could use it um more than once and it wouldn't feel like oh well our kids aren't in that age group anymore so we need a different devotional this year i mean that's the hope but um i i think just the the thing you're saying about most of our families are complicated uh you've mentioned the age situation it, it might be they leave to go to schools at different times it might be a sort of blended family ch children from different marriages that are coming together there are all sorts of reasons why our, why our families are complicated. And I think it's a common situation that so many families think there's a day coming when it will be simple and the Bible will be opened and we will all talk in a constructive way. And I think for most families who are in a habit of doing it, they say it's the routine that's your friend. It's make a start. Uh, make it messy. If your family is loud and boisterous normally, then they will be when they open a Bible. If your family is quieter and conversation feels more difficult, then it probably will be when you open a Bible. But you will know how to do that. And a, a family is the place to introduce children to what that's going to look like. So uh, I, I want to encourage families, uh, have a go if you're not in the habit. And if you are in the habit, I think we always need new resources to help us on our way. Yeah, I would just love it. Thank you so much um, for joining us today. It's Ed Drew. He's the author of The Adventure of Christmas. And yes, because our friends at The Good Book Company are, um, are partnering with us in this, we got copies to give away. So if you'd like to enter the drawing for the copies of The Adventure of Christmas and the related devo uh, Advent devotional calendar, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Ed, as always, thank you so much. What a delight. Thank you, Carmen. Merry Christmas in advance.
<laughs> Merry Christmas to you. All right. Uh, we'll be right back. All right, let me encourage you to get into the Word of God today before you get out there into the world that God so loves. We have spent time today in Romans chapter 12. encourage you to revisit that chapter if you haven't read it recently. Uh, I'm going to reread verses 9 to 11 where we, um, where we opened the first hour. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Good words for us today on this good morning. And again, what makes the morning good? Well, the reality of God. So let us walk our faith out into the world that God so loves. Let us do so in ways that honor Jesus. Let us remember that God is with us. And God is for us, working through us to impact the world around us. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.